Kaiju Network presents Tokuzum, where we have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host. Jason, what's going on, everyone? So, this particular episode, we are closing out Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. We are covering the final three episodes, and... After that, we are doing our year-end spectacular. Uh, traditionally in the past, that uh, particular podcast has been our longest, and initially it was sort of by design. This year, it's not going to be by design. It's just sort of whatever happens, happens. However, the year-end episode has consistently been a smorgasbord of kaiju-related topics where either you, the listeners, if you bring up topics to us, uh, we will cover and just have discussions over, or we come up with topics ourselves and we discuss We discuss them. So um, as of right now, we both of us are in the middle of putting notes together uh, and topics and all that. We are working on that stuff. Uh, by the way, I apologize if my particular feed seems jittery. I am watching it here live on YouTube. It seems to be Okay, but not as good as what we've had uh, over recent weeks. So I apologize for that. Um, but we're closing out. Oh Johnny yeah, Sacco definitely. Today, Jason. So not only are we covering the final three episodes, at the end of our discussion of these three episodes, we will just kind of give our overall thoughts on the series mm-hmm. as as a whole. So um, if there's any housekeeping, Jason, uh, let's do that before we dive into our discussion. Well, there's always going to be some housekeeping around here. <laughs> well, uh, mine is that. <laughs> uh, with that, I uh, just want to notify everyone about our uh, streaming and podcast networks. As far as our audio podcast networks, uh, you can find us over at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And as far as uh, streaming networks, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook Live, Periscope, and DLive. And you can also like and subscribe to us on these following social media networks. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And we've got our own website over at DaikaijuNetwork.com, which we will hopefully be updating the uh, main menu or the homepage for that uh, pretty soon. Uh, before, I would say, when we do the year-end extravaganza show that we typically do. So, um, with that, do you have uh, any particular uh, toku-related news items in mind? Um, the only thing I have seen, and I don't know too much about it, part of it is because I haven't had the time to look deeper into it. Um, I guess we're learning a little bit more about the characters for the upcoming um, miniseries or series. What is it? Is it a miniseries? I don't know exactly. I haven't really it is? known much in that regard since we've covered it about a few or so episodes ago. Yeah, and I heard, and I, excuse me, not heard, but saw something about 18 voices. Um, to me, and again, I didn't dive too deep into this, but to me that almost most means that we're having 18 characters. If the true, that's way too many characters. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, if that is true. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what they have in mind when it comes if if there's going to be 18 characters, like a large cast. To me, it sort of reminds me of these movies like. I don't know, maybe Armageddon or something along that line where they have these big A-list, uh, you know, actors and actresses in that particular movie or I think maybe Day After Tomorrow, whichever, uh, where they have tons of these uh, well-known actors and actresses and it's just sort of hard to uh, come up with their stories and possible back end like backstory and everything but yeah i'm not entirely sure how that's going to go down if it's going to be a mini series if it's just going to be a regular series i can at least see that uh working out at least but uh yeah um but with that uh we do at i do want to discuss that we at least have Another couple seconds worth of footage for uh, the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong. If any of you have seen seen that brief two-second footage yeah, of, well, yeah, that, yep. of uh, the front uh, fronts of both Godzilla and Kong as well, they're from this uh, CCXP convention that's down in Brazil there, uh, where Warner Brothers had this six-hour plus long panel discussing about their upcoming movies for next year as well as them planning on releasing all these movies on the same day on uh, HBO Max as well as into theaters as well there. So um, what are your thoughts? Because it seems like uh, Godzilla's design in that seems to at least have not changed at all but as far as Khan in my opinion it doesn't quite seem like he hasn't changed a whole lot even though it's just maybe uh, about a second worth of footage that we see him in that yeah uh, um, the thing is, is that, I mean the, the- only two real differences with Kong are that he's got sort of a quote-unquote and that he's significantly taller than he was with Skull Island. Uh, but, I mean, that's not a huge deal. I love, love what what's going on here. I, I'm, I've actually grown more excited about um, this movie as we've gone along. I, gosh, I don't know how many months ago it was now uh, when they were talking about reshoots um, because there seemed to be this weird teeter-tottering information batch that was saying that do um, actually it was a year ago when King of the Monsters came out um, after King of the Monsters did okay but didn't meet exactly mm-hmm. studio expectations at the box its opening weekend uh, or week, I should say, um, they were, Warner Brothers announced they were doing research, and that sort of concerned me because it, it made me think, okay, King of the Monsters did okay, but didn't do as well as they had hoped, and as a result, they're like, had some ideas, uh, God's 
Godzilla versus Kong, and as a result, we got to sort of, on a certain level, rethink what we're doing here with this final movie, and it scared me because it made me realize sometimes, not always, but sometimes with reshoots, it means you're putting in the newer, sometimes, again, not always, this can sort of uh, screw up with the plot. It can make things jumbled if you don't have a good editing team on hand. It had for a little while. Mm-hmm. As time has progressed and um, we've come to this point in time, become more excited but more confident in that the final product we're going to get will actually be at the very least entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm liking by and large what I've been seeing. And um, by the way, again, uh, there's other big news. Uh, Warner Brothers is releasing all their 2021 titles on HBO Max. I intend on getting a subscription to that, um, not just because I want us to cover it here, um, you know, on the podcast, but also uh, I am a fan of Godzilla and I want to see that new movie. Plus, you know, a number of their other films uh, coming up this year as well. So uh, you, you just want to say hi? <laughs> say hi. That's my son Lincoln there. Um, so yeah, I what I what I'm right now is good. However, <laughs> I felt pretty good about going into a Godzilla movie. That was leading up to Shin Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I went into King of the Monsters feeling iffy uh, on it but excited but didn't necessarily you know was kind of meh on it in terms of the quality getting but yeah, yeah the last time I felt really not just excited but confident that we were going to get something good was Shin Godzilla so there's a part, part of me that's a bit of, for the most part long story short I'm feeling pretty decent right now mm-hmm. alright so with that, I uh, just want to go over to this uh, cam over here. There's at least uh, a few decent uh, chunk of uh, Toku-related news here as far. Uh, the main one I just wanted to touch upon here is this Tokusatsu DNA uh, Ultraman genealogy exhibition that will be uh, held, uh, I think, uh, sometime... It's it says this month in Osaka it doesn't I'm not sure if it really says anything what time specifically this month but uh, apparently that it's going to be held the, in the Hiragata Park in, in Osaka and it'll be opened until uh, January 31st of next year uh, even though it says 2020 that's that's just a little bit of a mistypo there uh, and it says that this uh, same exhibition was previously held in Tokyo Dome back in October this year with a VR ticket available online and this event uh, features the visual effects used by Toho the company that produced uh, Godzilla and that it features information about the history behind uh, filming of the franchise as well as many screen used props on display, such as the three different types of masks used in the 1966 uh, 
Ultraman original series there, which you can kind of see on uh, on that uh, article there. So that's particularly it for this one here. It'd be sort of nice to go and see these uh, kinds of exhibitions every year if we had uh, the money and, of course, with everything that's going on, if we're able to get back, you know, traveling abroad sometime down the road here. But uh, with that, I want to go on to the next news item here that uh, Mega Corporation it has released its first figure in the new Ultraman line. And we get at least uh, quite a few screenshots here of the new Ultraman figure that's released by them. Uh, they're sort of like uh, the company that makes these unique uh, 1960s, 70s style uh, figurines. And like with this one here, it seems like uh, sort of one of those bendable or a little bit of one of those articulate figurines with cloth uh, going over the uh, the exoskeleton or whatever it is underneath this, because you can kind of see a little bit close close up here that the uh, the suit for Ultraman is just made out of uh, fabric and everything. It's sort of just by looking at it, it sort of reminds me of one of those uh, robot chicken. <laughs> type of uh, animatronics or figures that they <laughs> particularly use for that but uh, it also sort of reminds me of the um, American version of Ultraman that came out in the uh, the early 1990s uh, there just just by looking at it um, let's see here the uh, the figure actually stands 8 inches tall which is um a bit surprising and it'll be available at Walmart during the holiday season and the retail price for it is going to be 15 uh, bucks <laughs> um, let's see here it doesn't really say when specifically but on this last paragraph here it's also working so apparently they're going to be working on a uh, an Ultra 7 figure which is uh planned to be released in early 2021 there so that's interesting they haven't seen the numbers yet the yeah they're already doing it so so with with that uh i'm not sure when this uh, figure is going to be available uh even though it says that they're going to have it at walmart um i'm assuming that's available right now so uh I would suggest taking a look online on the web uh, Walmart website, or if the nearby Walmart from you might have have it, or maybe some comic book stores. So with that, I uh, just want to touch on at least a couple of uh, actors that have sadly passed away, such as the Nebula Mask, uh, Man's uh, Osamu uh, Sakuda. He passed away here just recently at the age of uh, 62 here. Uh, he portrayed Ken Takase, the main character of the tokusatsu drama Nebula Mask Machine Man in 1984. Uh, he done, he's done many voice acting and dub roles such as portraying uh, Shishinki 
in uh, in Uyasha, uh, Leon Vance and NCIS. So uh, yeah, he passed away on the fourth of December here uh, due to pancreatic uh, cancer there. And, uh, of course, here's the response from his agency here. Uh, Sakuda was a warm person who didn't play favorites and was loved by many. He would be very happy if everyone could love on the many works he left behind. And uh, lastly, here's uh, another, sadly, uh, passing away. Uh, Kinjo Mana known for portraying uh, Ui or Yui and uh, Kishiyu uh, Sentai Ryu Solger uh, passed away on the 1st of December there uh, apparently her uh, agency announced her pass her, uh, her passing due to unspecified illness on December 5th via her official Twitter and blog uh, there which you can uh, see right here so, uh, so yeah, that's a couple of unfortunate news uh, items there. Otherwise, uh, for those of you that live in Japan, uh, I'm a bit jealous of you. <laughs> uh, if you definitely go and see this uh, Tokusatsu DNA uh, exhibit, as well as uh, as far as the Mago corporation uh, ultraman figure there uh assuming it's available out in walmart right now so yeah it's other otherwise that's uh basically it of uh news items on my end all right so with that do we want to get into the meat and potatoes yes let's get done with this is that a good (laughs) or a bad thing i I don't know (laughs) I mean, I don't have anything else, so might as well get to it. Oh. <laughs> Unless if you do. No, I don't. Um, all right, so let's enter the um, let's enter the final uh, three episodes of Johnny Sacco and his fine robot. Here we're starting with episode twenty-four. So here we go. I'm going to do the English title followed by the Japanese. And as always, this is what we've done since the end of August. We will just quickly give our opinions as far as what we think is the better title of each episode. So the English title, Sona, A Terrifying Bacteria. The Japanese title is Hydrozone, The Bacterial Germ. Excuse me, Jason. I probably would go... Mm, excuse me. i probably go with the... The English version, because in particular, what we see here isn't really much of a germ. It's just more of like this liquid pool, like red pool. Or in some of the scenes, it looks a bit chunky in a way. Uh, So I would say uh, terrifying bacteria seems to fit it more. And plus with bacteria germ... It's it seems contra- sort of contradict with one another in a way. I don't know if they essentially mean the same, but um, I'm just going to assume that bacteria and germ are sort of one and the same. Um, both, in my opinion, close to being almost the same. 
same thing. I slightly just go with the English title. It's a bit better. Yeah. All right. So with that, here's a quick uh, plot summary of episode 24. Gargoyle, led by Hydra, unleashed the liquid bacteria zone on a nuclear tanker, killing everyone aboard. Later, Unicorn's base is attacked by the bacteria and all appears doomed when Robo is destroyed. But wait! There's flying around, and the one that was destroyed was a duplicate. Iganog is unleashed, and Robo tosses the kaiju, freezes Hydra, Professor Hydra, and he's defeated. <laughs> so, right out of the gate, I want to say this, uh, because, well, this is some of the first uh, shots we see of uh, the episode when it begins, is that I think Hydrazona uh, looks like either baked bean or of awful vomit as it crawls around. It sort of looks like vomit to me in a way, just how it's presented in those first couple of minutes, but... Like like I mentioned earlier, that there seems to be a couple, uh, at least two iterations of this bacteria. One is just more of a smooth liquid uh, version of it, and then the other one, where we basically uh, basically see uh, the very first time, it's more like this chunkified version of this uh, goo or ooze or whatever it is. Yeah. I have written in my notes that the consistency of this thing always seems to change. And I don't think that there's necessary because as we've talked about many times before last almost four months is that uh, there is nothing really brilliant I'm sorry about this series no um, so I think the inconsistencies are the result of just being unable to be consistent on the part of the product. so oopsies uh, I think uh, but at the same time what I noticed is that you find the chunkier version this just sounds yeah. awful um, when it's kind of like running down walls, more or less. There are a couple exceptions in the episode where this isn't true, but moments where it's supposed to run down a wall or something, it tends to be chunkier but on level surfaces. That's when it tends to be more of a liquid, and I think part of that is just because um, you can't – it's chunkier, and you're the production team off camera, like stuff to try to get it to go in a certain certain direction trying to so awful the stuff to move <laughs> as easily in specified direction mm-hmm. hence the more liquid form in in certain shots i think they came in wanting it to look Look, be chunkier, but they realize obviously quickly that when you're doing some of the, the sewers with a couple of those unicorn agents, you, you obviously your stuff to move, move as easily. So then they opted to just just have I don't know red colored water, you know, or something like that, you know. Yeah, it to me when when they do something like that, um, it just 
Yeah, it just feels inconsistent. I think that's just really the occurring theme that we obviously see in this uh, series as we've uh, been talking about it for the last few or so months here, that there is quite a bit of inconsistencies here and there. And in that regard, it, I think just with how this uh, substance was made, it I know it's not really like water in a way because you can at least see a lot of time, uh, a few times where there's some resistance to it. Unlike with water, it just goes everywhere in an instant. Where this one, it at least mm-hmm. has some some sort of resistance as far as the speed and everything. And with that being said, to me, it sh- there should have at least been some sort of consensus as to how this stuff was made and how it should have uh, been executed in this uh, episode here like is it going to be the the chunkier version of it or is it going to be the more smooth uh, more kind of a liquid version of it but at least have some uh, resistance or at least some slowness into how uh, it's being used. Maybe like sort of the blob in a way, but more of a liquidified <laughs> version of it. But um, in that regard, even with some of the scenes where it climbs up walls and everything and, and all that, to me, it should have been more consistent. Yeah, I'm not too terribly concerned about the consistency other than, yeah, technically it, it is an issue, but but it's not something that for me is going to make or break the episode or the story itself. Um, so oh, it is something that should have been addressed, um, but I understood in the directions that they had to go for various um, shots. By the way, and I know I've said this a lot throughout the course of this retrospective, another general I have totally forgotten about, Professor Hydra. This guy, um, you know, is some, despite the fact he has a semi-unique look to him, is very forgettable. Mm-hmm. And he's a one-off. He's He's one of those uh, occasional one-off uh, gargoyle yep. generals, and uh, and I, I realized there's a reason why I totally forgot. Same here <laughs> about him. Um, it's not just it's not just because Pankar or Botanist, where his appearance is incredibly unique. It, there is some uniqueness to it, but the reason why. He and I'm just going to say it, and this is kind of showing my hand a little bit, why this episode is also forgettable. He's written, and and the fact that he and this story are written in such a way in which not a whole lot of excitement mm-hmm. takes place. 
Um, it, it is a pretty for the first time since we've covered uh, you know this series. This is an episode that I thought was very drawn out. It, it felt mm-hmm. like it, anyways. Um, especially after the initial opening involving Hydrazona. And we get to a point to where unicorns start go to the launch site where this nuclear tanker is about to take off and have its first mission or first flight. That whole sequence was the, there literally was nothing happening. Members of the unicorn continuously communicating with one another over walkie-talkies or, or, or other various forms of, of electronic communications. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it because we've run into a few episodes occasionally where we're like, this is dull, not much is happening. There's a decent sequence where it felt like it was really long, it was dull, nothing really took place. And um, I, I really realized in that moment what I thought about this episode regardless of what took place unless the final battle was to be something bigger than I had thought it might be and and as a final battle that was decent but it wasn't enough to make up for this middle section Mm. of the episode and well, I was just going to say, yeah, I just totally forgot about uh, this Professor Hydra uh, in this episode, even though that these final three or at least this uh, final uh, disc uh, that we've been getting into here the last couple episodes here, that this it's like I just seen these just maybe around this time last year so it should have been these should have been fresh in like fresh in my mind so to speak but this episode to, to me like the final the final three out of these three this was the one that I basically forgot about <laughs> it's like I completely forgot about uh, this dude here, but of course, in the next next episode, when when we get around to it, at least I knew how that one went down because at least that one was, you know, more remember memorable compared to this one. Like I completely forgot that this whole bacteria thing came into play, uh, and as obviously the professor here and. At least uh, I might have remembered one time when it came to the the whole melting part of this uh, decoy uh, giant robo uh, that we get here. But to me, I sort of forgot, though, that it was a decoy until the real one uh, flew in from the sky there. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> But obviously, we're two episodes down, uh, or two episodes to go, so it's like, yeah, it's somewhere, but yeah. It, yeah, this episode's just sort of, 
doesn't really go much anywhere. There's, yeah, there's just not really much substance in here. I think it's just uh, trying to fill up some space. I mean, I'm sorry, whoever wrote this, but yeah, it's it's just no, don't be sorry. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like that they didn't quite know what they really want to do with this episode. It's um, not complete mess of an episode. Um, first of all, didn't Iganog die in its initial? I thought it. I thought it might have. I think so. So there, if that is true, we have a problem already. <laughs> Because uh, it's bad. Well, because well, if, since we've gotten other, we since we've Second gotten other all, monsters that came back from the dead, so it's <laughs> so I'm just going to say, time out, time out. You're thinking way too much into this. Well, that's the problem with this series, as we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm going to sort of skip over some of written down because both you and I at this point have basically said that this is an episode that is kind of a big mess. But I want to point out just some things to sort of poke fun at this episode because I think it deserves it. Uh, I I thought it was fun being Johnny oh, yeah. shoot the Hydrazona. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, members of Gargoyle also laughed at them for shooting at Hydrazona. I just was like... It, it was, a, it was the same for the uh, the other Unicorn members that literally did the same when they were uh, in that yeah. uh, area where Giant Robo was. And then also when those uh, the two guards that were out in the back and then no they were looking for both uh, Johnny and Jerry who were down the sewer and the rest including uh, uh, Chief Azuma like they went down to that sewer and in that one scene where the last or the the last two guys were going down like just just adjacent just a little over to the left is this red pool of the bacteria it's like did you guys not see that? <laughs> I thought thing, but I didn't bother writing it down because I well, thought I didn't write it down I mean, either. It, but that's just something <laughs> that, to me at least, that's something that's like that should have been addressed right there. Yeah. Um, didn't Robo look more blue? to you in these final three episodes I really thought the came off more blue than what he's ever been or it I should say maybe maybe just in this episode but it seemed like at least in the last episode he was seemed to be that gray color but in that one uh, scene where they had this uh probably this uh, uh, mannequin version of uh, giant robo that they had there when the building was dissolved by this bacteria you can obviously see it's not the suit version of giant robo there it's just more like this uh, mannequin-esque uh, version of robo there 
and it seemed to me in that scene, he seemed more silverish rather than blue or that uh, gray or light gray color. And also seemed and also seemed to me he he had like this big fat cheeks to like this. <laughs> I guess I guess I missed that. I, I, I didn't think he came. <laughs> it's it sort of did to me. Hold on here. Let me see my notes here. There was something else I wanted to bring up here that I thought, yeah, and I kind of figured that this was going to happen, uh, but at the same time, I'm totally forgotten about this particular episode, and I, and and I understand this is a kids show, so this sort of stuff is going to get pulled frequently, is when the Hydrozona began to dissolve myself, that is not the real Robo, and sure shooting the real one of course was flying around and I just groaned because there was no real set for that and it felt cheap Mm -hmm. and and contrived I'd like to know for that to happen I'd like to know like within the last few or so hours of um, or several hours when they get the message from Professor Hydra of them gonna be attacking uh, HQ there. That I like to know how they managed to get all this material or tin, which they described that they built this decoy giant robo out of, and then like how they get all this time and resources yes i know i know uh just just let me finish to build this thing as well as paint it out <laughs> in that regard <laughs> yeah i mean um i wasn't asking those questions being first and foremost that this is a kid show, and this is a very general, wacky show. And one of the reasons why I love it, despite the fact that I have criticized it um, semi-regularly during the course of this retrospective, that doesn't mean that I hate it. I'm just saying uh, that um, that it, it, it just it, it provides problems where my suspension of disbelief become it, it extends that and um, you know I, I, I I'm able to go along with quite a lot up to a point and then once you hit at a particular hurdle it begins to get too much and we've talked about that numerous times over the course of this series um, and that was besides the middle part of the episode where very little happens this moment where supposedly Robo dissolves was 
the moment in which a pile of garbage in front of you that was already lit on fire due to the middle section of the episode being completely dull. And then after that garbage got burnt up and the fire went away, someone decided to come in, pour kerosene on that same pile, and it just became this thing that was a flaming Mm -hmm. mess. And I sort of I have enough of it by that word. When that sequence took place, I was beyond done (laughs) at that point. I thought it was neat that they actually attacked Unicorn, and by and large, the base is gone. I would say a good portion of it. At the same time, yeah. But by and large, the way the whole robo deal was handled was coming once it started taking place. It was done, because I knew I'm going that up here. And um... Again, it's a kid's show, but I've just sort of had enough of it mm. at this point. And it just, that was enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't think of anything else <laughs> at this point for this uh, episode here. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go in my final thoughts on this. Um, originally, I had it just... Just barely above average, but I think I'm going to change it for this here. Now that I think about it more. Um, yeah, it's the episode just, I don't know, it just seems to be not not really there at all. Um, it, there's just really no substance to go off of to make it a really good episode as well as make it memorable in a way especially with professor hydra he's just again one of these one of the few uh one and done generals in the gargoyle game which to me i completely forgot about even though it's been just a little over a year since i've last seen uh this last disc uh of episodes here and yeah it's just one of the uh, few episodes i totally forgot about and even what uh this bacteria even existed yeah it's just one of those episodes that is just forgettable uh and poorly executed i'm sorry for whoever (laughs) written this episode um yeah, it's it's just not a really good one. I just go with um, a three out of ten on this one. So, isn't Hydrazona still loose though? Because I didn't see 
any sort of well diff- with that yeah. whole uh sparks that uh giant robo did or they as they call it the heat shower that's oh. what kill it that's what kill it oh, off that's and right. then that's, that's when right. Right. Ignog comes into play that's right that's right so yeah all right so yeah basically My it wasn't really in a, a, an episode about the bacteria at all uh in the end yeah. Really <laughs> about anything. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about this episode. I know I've talked about how many of the generals I'd forgotten over the course of this retrospective, but this one was totally forgettable. And I understand it is pretty flat with a fairly dull gargoyle general, and Iganog's appearance is really out of nowhere. With Hydrozona still on the loose, it's not entirely a happy ending. There's quite a bit of talking back and forth with the Unicorn members during the tanker launch with little happening. It's a weak episode that you'd be okay to see. And you thought your rating was low. Here's my rating. (laughs) One out of ten. That's the lowest I've given. Into any episode in this, uh, in this I thought series. you had one that was zero out of ten. Uh uh, no. I had, I think the lowest ones I had up to this point were two. Like, I also could have sworn that you had okay. a one, but episode 25. Well, <laughs> never mind. Want to start something? Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Go, bitch. <laughs> episode 25. <laughs> they. <laughs> Episode 25. The English title is Dracolong. Creature of this, the Japanese title is The Space Vampire. Which title do you think is better, or do you prefer the most? I couldn't quite hear the Japanese one because your uh, audio got gobbled there. The Japanese title is The Space Vampire. Space Vampire is too generic for me. I think the English one seems sounds much better in that regard. Plus, we we get the name of the dude who is basically like a vampire, but much different compared to a lot of the other vampires that we see, and even some of the villagers that we see that turn to vampires. And yeah, it's to me the the English version is much better in my opinion i agree um the the japanese title and again it could be because the dubbing sometimes is different as what is implied and what is even said over the course of the episode nothing is mentioned that this drake along on is mm-hmm. from space it maybe on a small level could be implied because he says at one point I think he's a member of the yeah. Gargoyle gang. Although even then, that's not necessarily not necessarily clear because as we've gotten into this half of the series, Emperor Guillotine by and large has been fairly a whole lot of him. And this is oh, I can a, I can tell you one another episode in which guillotine I can tell you one person who has been very absent <laughs> ever since. <laughs> I can tell you at, I can tell you three, <laughs> <laughs> and I bet I know what you are going to come up with. Well, that probably be that probably right. be a given. <laughs> 
I got Fangar and Red Cobra. <laughs> well, I've got I've got so Harlequin. I've got Harlequin, Fangar, and Red Cobra. But we'll talk talk about that in a bit. Yep. But um, okay, here we go with a quick plot summary of episode twenty-five. A small village is discovered to have most of its people dead. However, it's realized they were turned into vampires by Dracolon. Gary and Johnny confront Dracolon until they need the assistance of Robo. Dracolon enlarges himself to battle Robo. Manif- manifest burning cross. Yes, somehow it has to be a burning cross. And it destroys... I love Dracolon. I love the design of this character. This is a character I do remember I also like seeing. the dub. There's... <laughs> Yeah, it is the very stereotype dub of what many people think Dracula sounds like. It's the boo blah, I want your blood type of, booty, of booty, booty voice. Thing. <laughs> I get better at the same time I hate it because it's sort of off yeah. in some ways too. <laughs> yeah, but I can I can at least understand why the uh, the Japanese title for this episode was uh, called the space vampire simply because of the appearance of draculon in this because he's he doesn't have that ordinary appearance of any uh dracula or vampire with you know just looking like a regular human being except for the fangs but all the other villagers that have turned into vampires don't look like that. They just look like your ordinary vampire. Maybe the only difference is the color of the skin uh, being uh, like this uh, greenish, grayish type of color. Yeah. The thing is, though, he, at least in the dub, says he is Dracula because at one point, and I wrote it down here, he calls himself – embrace yourself for this because this is a weird way of phrasing it, but is actually said in the dub anyways. He – Dracolon says, I am the Dracula of the vampires of Gargoyle. <laughs> That's what he says. I wouldn't be a bit surprised so, one bit. My first question after that was said was – so is he actually Dracolon, or is he technically Dracula? That's just that's just too much. Some, <laughs> someone screwed up somewhere. Well, you know, I think it's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. I, I just thought it was weird. By the way, and I'm just going to say this right now. Despite the fact that I love Dracolon, I love how he looks, I, I love the weird dubber that does the voice, um, this episode miffed me as well. And, you know, logic and reason are out the window when it comes to this sort of thing. But this goes for Dracolon's assistant. 
It goes for him, and it goes for all those people that he turned into vampires in this small village. How are they able to tolerate sunlight? No, 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 no. I'm not letting this one go. Because in vampire lore, we know vampires stop that. <laughs> cannot tolerate them. <laughs> so... I have a real problem with that. That is one of those moments where it so far hurdles my suspension of disbelief that I have real issue with that. How, and then there's another one. Stop. I'm do, doing a different point. You stop. <laughs> <laughs> my other point, didn't you notice – that the people in the village who were turned into vampires actually behaved more like zombies and vampires? In the behavior, yes. As I can see that. Um, yeah, that is pretty interesting in a way. It's sort of like this zombie-vampire-ish type of behavior. Even though, like, they'll have... The sort of the similar appearances of a vampire or traits as far as the fangs and stuff, but as far as like the zombie part goes, yeah, maybe with the like the green grayish uh, uh, paint on their skin, um, and then even when they're like getting up from the ground or whatever, yeah, yeah, that sort of has that. Uh, familiar trait of a zombie in a way where if you're turned into a vampire like some of the movies that we've seen like a lot of these classic films uh, most of the people that turn into vampires don't really behave that way although when it comes to the uh, his assistant or that gal there she doesn't really behave that ways and then here we go again i think it's just more that inconsistency inconsistency that we typically uh sort of call out in this entire show that we've been discussing about the last few months so so yeah you can definitely see that trait of a zombie uh in a way when it comes to these villagers in that regard. Yeah, again, like you said, and at one point when Jerry and Johnny come into the village to investigate, she uh, says, we need to talk to my father. And I, it's never really clear as to whether or not Dracolon is indeed her father. I think I've always assumed she was playing Jerry and Johnny. That's 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 my um, guess. Just just the way how she acted that's, the first time. Yeah. But regardless, regardless of if she is his daughter or not, the fact that the people do behave more like zombies—they're they're slow and they moan and they groan and they slowly kind of reach out to people and. And all that—that that is very zombie-like, mm-hmm. not a vampire. Mm-hmm. And again, going back, uh, 
thing that's not a vampire. The fact that now everybody who is a vampire in this episode is immune to sunlight. But, however, during the final battle with Raycolon, all of the sudden become sensitive because there is that one moment and if you remember where Annie tells Robo something I forget the, the exact word but Robo moves out of the way and you see the sun and it hits Drake along he's just kind of you know frazzled mm-hmm. and then the whole fire cross oh, yeah. thing comes up so yeah I mean it, it's is is one of those things where, um, um, like you said, there 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 are inconsistencies there. Mm. Yeah, it. And then too with uh, the final weapon that uh, Giant Robo uses against uh, Draculon here, and you mentioned it too. This burning cross which obviously it's it's the the usual trope that they use against uh, vampires either uh fire garlic sunlight even though that <laughs> they're being bathed in sunlight here in this episode where basically basically the entire episode is uh being held in daylight and then of course you get the cross as always and if if Draculon is a space vampire like the original Japanese title uh, says, yeah, suggests, suggests, you would think that maybe some of these uh, beings from a different planet or so would be at least resistant to uh, particular things, even like the cross, because they might not even know if the like the cross even existed in their uh, civilization or maybe on their planet that they had some kind of uh, symbol that uses a cross or something of that matter and you know fire too yeah there's just a lot of questions that you can dive into and then of course you probably give me the time out uh, thing in that regard so it's yeah there's just a lot of uh things to just really consider at this point with him being a space vampire like yeah <laughs> i like how you preempted my time out there. yeah because <laughs> i knew that probably would be coming i will say this though <laughs> yeah I will say this, though. His daughter or assistant or whomever she actually is, she does a hell of a job of giving this non-blink thousand-yard death glare. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see it multiple times. We see it in the beginning when she goes after that unicorn agent, that generic unicorn agent, and then when Jerry and Johnny shows up, and then she goes from this so-called normal villager and transforms into her actual self, this vampire, and almost repeatedly says, I want their blood. I want that neck. And she just... I need it! You know, yeah. uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, it, she does a yeah. good job. Um, it, it's sort of hokey, but at the same time, it is really good. I will give her performance uh, two thumbs up because she does a good job. I think she does fantastic in terms of really capturing that, that undead look and this obsession with needing sustenance and being focused on what she's mm. wanting. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that I like to at least point out was when uh, both Johnny and uh, Jerry were being chased down by uh, the villagers there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, when they're uh, basically in this temple uh, being quartered in a way where the villagers were trying to claw, claw their way in and everything. I noticed that uh, the background uh, on the one side for the outside is this painted uh, I think this matte painted background of the trees but then when Jerry goes out and tries to be a decoy and everything you briefly see a like a bluish dark gray background <laughs> for the outside part when he when he goes when he barges out from the front part of the temple there's like it just feels like that they missed to put up a matte painting uh, background for that particular <laughs> front part when he barges out because it just it just looked totally fake like it it at one point just didn't really feel like you were a part of that whole thing or like it didn't look real enough like it just felt like they were in some sort of studio or like this uh, museum type of relic this temple relic <laughs> in a way of one of those replicas I just thought it was funny that he was trying to hold him a moment with his jacket <laughs> That and then going up and down the stairs there. Just the fact that they didn't even try lunging. They th those vampires should have had both Jerry and Johnny, uh, but because the writers of this episode decided to make them more like zombies than vampires, that's the reason why Jerry and Johnny end up surviving that particular. Mm -hmm. Which again is unfortunate. I Johnny didn't know. <laughs> I mean, that is the reason why they, they wrote it in, um, you know, to, to just be that goofy. Uh, I will say that I do in, like Dracolon's or Dracula's design mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or his look when he enlarges himself to battle mm -hmm. Rolo later. I do like that. Um, sort of medieval European clothing that he has, including that, that shield and that sword. I, I thought it was pretty cool, despite the fact that there's one point where he de destroys this um, well or whatever it is. He just gets distracted yeah, by this small... That's, that's one thing that I... ...a decent enough opening to attack him, which... Yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed 
too was that it just seemed like he was more focused on destroying the temple or some of the buildings around him instead of being focused on battling and defeating giant robo when he confronts them yeah in yeah, it's just it's it's really weird how that how that how how that is. Yeah, um, I, I'm ready to go into final thoughts. Actually, <laughs> go right ahead. So while the episode brings in a really cool villain in Dracolon and adds some elements of horror, the fact the writers played fast and loose with vampire rules and didn't entirely stick to the cells hurts this episode quite a bit. There was a lot of action, but even then it was downgraded by having the people who were turned into vampires behave like zombies. There was a lot here that would have been able to bring out one of the best episodes episodes in the series, but instead we end up with a frustrating episode that doesn't make me want to laugh at it in the of fun, but to frown and fold my arms due to so many inconsistencies within the story. It's still relatively fun, so it gets a few points, but otherwise it's frustrating. Four out of ten. Wow, I was sort of expecting at least something a little bit average. But at least with this at least no. with this episode, for me anyways, it's far better than the last episode that we talked about. Because at least with Draculon here, he was more memorable in that regard. And thus, I can at least remember watching this episode and remember some of the things that went on with it. Otherwise, with some of the things that have gone on and some of the things, yes, the settings look pretty good when it uh, in that regard but there are some at least some inconsistencies or maybe some whoopsies that happened <laughs> as far as uh, placement in some of the map paintings where they probably should have added one for the uh, the front part where Jerry barged out and to act as a decoy while uh, Johnny goes looking for the uh, watch communicator that he accidentally dropped. Um, but yeah, I do like the design of Draculon in this. Um, but as far as some of the behavior of the villagers and stuff that Kent has uh, pointed out earlier, and now I just sort of realize that, yeah, it's just some inconsistencies when it comes to behavior of the villagers compared to at least his assistant or daughter or whatever. Um, but at least the story portion of this episode is far better. I think it at least focused more on the subject matter of what it was doing besides uh, the previous episode. For me, in that regard, I would give this episode a 6 out of 10. Alright. Alright. So let's go on episode of Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. Episode 26. <laughs> the English title. The Last of Emperor Guillotine. The Japanese title, The Last Day of Guillotine. Jason, which one do you like or prefer the most? But uh, Honestly, both of them are pretty good because 
as far as the Japanese version, it basically tells us that this is the last episode of of Johnny Sacco and his flying robot because it's obviously says the last day of Emperor Guillotine and you know what's going to happen but it also is at the same time it sort of spoils it well both of them actually Um, and as far as the English one the last of Emperor Guillotine it's sort of good but then at the same time it's like what do they mean by the last of for Emperor Guillotine, like, is it his um, last day of ruling the Earth? Uh, the <laughs> the last bathroom break for Emperor Guillotine, or what? I I don't know. Um, am I in my opinion? I probably would go with. The Japanese one barely on this one. Yeah, uh, by and large, the titles are the same. It, it, there's just a very small difference in wording. I do think the Japanese one is better. The, the, to me, there's something more absolute with, with its wording. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would personally go with the Japanese one. All right, so here is a quick plot summary of episode 26. Guillotine is preparing for his final stand. He sends a sniper to kill Johnny, but the mission ends up failing due to the sniper's incompetence. Guillotine sends out some of the kaiju fighters to confront Johnny and Robo. Triumphs. Unicorn battles remnants of gargoyle. Guillotine grows large and battles Robo. Robo flies into space where it heads towards an ink. Coming meteor were bl- bl- both Robo and Guillotine. The battle is now over. Um, I, I I thought it was funny once again that Unicorn somehow just sensed that Guillotine was going to make his final end mm-hmm. uh, pretty soon, as the narrator says, uh, opening up the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah, it just felt like they just had some sort of sixth sense into knowing what was going to go down in that regard, mm-hmm. which to me is sort of um, ridiculous in a way. <laughs> I, I mean, when it comes to this series, what else? Uh, what what else is surprising at all? Um, so they just sort of went all in and as well you can say that this is sort of like um like the destroy all everything when it came to uh you know <laughs> seeing not only the gargoyle game but as well as Ignog and Scallion I mean you got Ignog for the, for the second time uh, coming in um, for for the uh, the final episode here, and for some reason Scallion comes back alive and tries to destroy. It. And then of course you get Optagon <laughs> for for one last time here. 
I think there was some um, stock footage used in, in one scene. So, um, <laughs> what, what was that about? <laughs> uh, nothing. It's just people upstairs just being dumb. <laughs> Pounding, pounding on the floor. They were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, what the hell were we talking about? Uh, oh, scallion. Oh, like unicorn. Was it scallion? I thought it was unicorn. Well, it was, uh, yeah. I'm just gonna move on to a point here. Johnny talks about how he and Jerry got fooled when they're investigating this one barn. And I'm thinking to myself, they've been fooled. I don't think it was really a barn. It looked more like one of those really old Japanese school buildings that was abandoned. Regardless, this is one of the main premises of this entire series as we've talked well, about numerous new. times unicorn comes off as incredibly incompetent and aloof and you know i i kind of chuckled when johnny said i've been fooled and i'm going dumbass you've been fooled throughout most yeah. of the series <laughs> can't you not understand that <laughs> I guess not. But then, no. but then the the one. It's really goofy. By the way, this... uh, the one thing that was sort of uh, surprising that as soon as uh, Johnny and Jerry were about to leave this abandoned building here, they had one of the gargo- gargoyle assassins shoot Johnny in this one. Shoot. Yeah. Yes. Quote unquote. But then uh, later. Props to Toei, though, for actually doing yeah. that, even though it ended up being. Yeah, because then uh, in maybe about a few or so scenes later, that uh, Johnny was, you know, 100% fine, and he tells uh, Marie or Mari that he talks to. And this communicator that uh, he had this sort of uh, vest or whatever to uh, protect him from this bullet. It's like, how would you even know? But, well, it would be sort of the... It's just as bad as two episodes ago when we thought Robo was dissolving, but the real Robo was flying around and there was no real yeah. setup mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, it- and that sniper, by the way, is a terrible mm-hmm. sniper. Because after he shoots Johnny and he believes he's killed him, Guillotine's saying, look, show me the body. Like, they're taking him to the hospital. You need to make sure this kid is dead. So basically, Guillotine's like, follow him to the hospital and put a bunch of lead into his body to make sure this kid is dead. And not only does he follow them to the hospital and thinks he shot Johnny multiple times he doesn't pull down the covers because initially when we see Johnny in the hospital you see him covered up in a hospital bed but when this sniper dude ends up going into Johnny's room 
the covers are completely pulled up over, and he says something to the effect of, now I've got you, unicorn agent or whatever, and shoots about – and then he goes out the window. He doesn't bother to quickly pull down to verify not only that it is Johnny, but to verify that if it is Johnny, that he's dead. And, you know, it just – this is a terrible sniper. This, this is – one of the worst hitmen you could ever hire to do a job for you because this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Hell, I am not a hitman. The only gun I've ever fired are BB guns. I've never fired a real gun. And I would know, look, you not only need to see the body, you need to make sure that you go in and you finish this thing and you make sure that you finish it by looking at it and making sure that damn thing yeah. bleeds. Sorry, but that's how it goes. Yeah, and, and especially <laughs> so if – How does John – And especially if the cover – To hop, hop into. Yeah, and especially if, you know, when the assassin was going in and trying to finish the job off, that – if you see the covers going over the entire body, including the head and everything, you'd be a little bit suspicious. It's like, is this person I'm trying to finish off, like, there, or is this a decoy? Right. But, of course. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is... This is... This is the worst. This is the worst sniper ever. And I think it says more about Guillotine than it does the sniper because this is who Guillotine found. And he bring the sniper saying, look, show me the body. He shouldn't have to tell whomever this individual is that, look, I need to see the body. And you need to make sure that this individual I'm having you go after is bleeding and is gone. Like, you know, that's just how it goes. And me that says more about guillotine than anything else this guillotine um you know may be pretty powerful but at the same time he's the worst judge more times than not of, of picking people to do the jobs for him and i you know have issue uh with that and it just really frustrates the hell out of me that we have to do this again i understand it's a kid's show but it's just something that bothers the hell out of me and what makes it even worse that's because this is the biggest problem i have with this and my memory going into this final episode was that there was a bit of a struggle between guillotine and robo but there wasn't much of one and as i watched this episode this time I was taken aback by really how almost of a non-existent fire was between Robo and Guillotine there was a few um, you know hand movements and stuff like that but otherwise it was Robo dodging a few of Guillotine's um, uh, uh, you know punches or whatever you want to call them and then he just grabs guillotine and then they go up and get blown up by the media that we see in two or three shots guillotine doesn't even put up a fight against robo to try to get loose he just sits there excuse me in robo's arms and that's the end of that mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah it's just 
sort of like even though that he hasn't really appeared in much of the episodes there that um it's just sort of cheesy a way for him to come back and then sort of having this sort of last hurrah to where he didn't really do much in that regards besides just being uh, mainly giant towards the end and then taking the planet for hostage being the weapon himself whereas just a tiny uh, fragment of his uh, fingernail that he takes off of himself and then throws it to demonstrate and then causes this big explosion in that regard and then having then giant robo confronting him that way and then kicking him and all that you would think that emperor guillotine would explode right then and there no matter what but Obviously, there's just a lot of questions that we can't ask because it's a kid's episode. And thankfully, Kent's not here <laughs> to talk about, to hear about it and trying to give me the timeout uh, thing here. But, um, yeah, it's just, it would have been a really good episode if they really planned this out pretty well. Um, yeah, it's just something that I just, even though it's still a good episode, um, I would say it's sort of on the same level compared to the previous episode, but, uh, yeah, I was just, I'm sorry, repeat that. Oh, I was just talking about how this episode, it's. It should have been thought out a little bit more with it being the final episode of the series. But at least uh, it's to me, it's sort of sort of on the same ground level compared to the previous episode. Underwhelming episode, to say the least, because Emperor Guillotine. Team comes off as his, as his big bad dude, and to a certain extent, he does because you know we see um, Guillotine take off a fingernail and he throws it, and it blows up. And Guillotine ends up saying that, "Look, you cannot shoot me. The whole world is going to blow up. I'm basically made up of nuclear energy." And as a result, with yeah, that was basically what I've just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it just is disappointing. That is something that the writer should not have done, because Guillotine has built himself up over this twenty-six episode series as this big bad dude, and all he can do is basically say, "Don't shoot, I will blow up," and that's all he can do. And when he fights Robo, it it clearly shows he can't even throw a, a, an actual punch. And this is one of the most underwhelming and disappointing battles I've ever seen, whether it's movies or in TV shows. And I've seen some terrible endings to shows. And this ranks up, up there with some of the worst that I have seen mm-hmm. because uh, it, it just is 
it, it's pitiful. We've been waiting for this moment for Guillotine to finally get into battle and take on Unicorn, more specific boob. It is the boob. He, he talks a big game, but he can't do, you know, a, a dance to really save, uh, you know, his his life and it just it, it bothers me and speaking of bothers like are your neighbors still like pounding on the floor or something like <laughs> they're just a bunch of a-holes seriously <laughs> upstairs where they sit i'm putting on the floor yeah <laughs> they, they i don't know they just kids up there or something yeah it's just constant every day seriously maybe you should go up there and like knock on the door and be like hey can you please like keep it down well if I keep I had to do that with a neighbor before well it just seems like even when I try to do that they still keep on doing it it's like they just have no regards you, you have, have you talked yeah have you talked to them yeah <laughs> Yeah, they're they just they just have they just have no respect in that regard. But let's just keep going here. <laughs> yeah. Um, right at the end of the episode, the narrator comes in and basically saying, like, if Johnny ever needs Robo again, maybe Robo will just kind of come flying out of the sky. Yeah, in pieces. And that to me again <laughs> crossed the belief because I'm going look we just saw this robot and Emperor Guillotine smash into an oncoming meteor and blow up yeah do you think Robo is just gonna magically come flying out of the sky again like he did a couple episodes ago no that thing is gone mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really stupid thing to say yeah yeah, it's like the 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 only so the only way was, he's gonna come back down is in pieces. Yeah, a bunch, of, a bunch. Of, uh, it's like a meteor shower, but it's burning real. Yeah. <laughs> so do we want to go on a final thoughts on a rating? Um. Yeah, yeah. As as far as this last episode, I was really expecting something even though we get quite a bit of few you know quite a bit of monsters in this last round here but in the end it just felt a bit disappointing because even with some of the battles against these uh three monsters octagon ignog and uh, scallion it just felt underwhelmed in a way and as far as finally defeating the gargoyle again and this it just also felt underwhelmed even the destruction of emperor guillotine and this it, a lot of things just felt underwhelmed in that regard and um yeah it's just they should have thought this episode a bit better to make it the best that they could do for this entire series to make it at least memorable in that when it comes to the fi- uh, uh, 
final episode is it that rememberable I don't know it, it's it's their it, it's me- yeah for the wrong yeah <laughs> and um yeah I just uh I really can't think of much as far as the story to me it's sort of in the middle but like it it's sort of you know had something going on but then at the same time it also sort of felt like episode 24 in a way where it just didn't really go much of anywhere besides ending the entire show uh as well as this uh ending emperor guillotine uh right then and there and um it just and then also they then bring back uh, Fangar, but I'm assuming the way when we last saw him, it just seemed like that he died right there. Um, as well as uh, oh, forget the other, the other one, the other look-alike, and then uh, Harlequin. We never get to see him again after uh, maybe the early part of second half of this uh, discussion of Johnny Sacco. <sighs> yeah, there's just the entire theme of this entire show. It just seemed like there's been a lot of themes in our discussions, but the overall theme of this entire show is just inconsistency. Um, yeah, it's just, but it's yeah, Save yeah. your overall thoughts but as far the show here for as a this episode here, for a rating out of ten, I would give it a five out of ten. Oh, oh wow. okay. Um, it's surprising how sometimes final confrontations can be in movies. I've seen numerous movies where the final battle is so disappointing that it can nearly sour experiences with the entire film and potentially saga when applicable. My memories of this final episode were ones of knowing the final battle wasn't going uh, to be much, but I have forgotten how not uh, a final battle would be here. While it was nice to see a few for a few moments, it doesn't entirely make make up for a few moments by Robo and Guillotine in their one and only face-to-face battle. I will say this, though. I have seen enough shows where there is no conclusion to the story. They simply end. Grateful we got an ending to this series. Still, what we get for a battle between the quote-unquote mighty Emperor Guillotine and heavily armed Robo is nothing short of major disappointment. It's unfortunate that these final three episodes end the series on a low note. Three out of ten. (laughs) So... Let's just kind of give our own final thoughts on this series as a whole. Who wants to go first here? Well, as I was sort of going into the tangent of my final thoughts on Johnny Sacco and his flying robot overall, whereas, as I mentioned, that it felt like the overall uh, theme for this show is just inconsistency in that regard there's every every episode even though it just seemed like uh each episode are just contained uh within that one episode but 
Um, but there are some elements that uh, that keep on continuing as the show progresses on. But with that, with all those things, there's just a lot of inconsistencies uh, per episode as the show progresses and and then like was it Red Cobra I thought it was Fangar at first but then you have Fangar they're just almost they to me it just seemed like that they were the same person but probably one of them was the earlier iteration which to me it felt like Red Cobra was more of an earlier iteration to Fangar in that regard, just with their appearance. And we found out yeah. that was true. And and we don't get an absolute conclusion to Red Cobra, Fangar, or Harlequin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get um, Harlequin, which he only comes in into a few episodes here here and there but most of the time after his uh inaugural appearance or debut uh he didn't really do much at all and then maybe several episodes afterwards you don't even really see him much again like whatever whatever the hell happened to uh harlequin after his initial disappearance, like, um, wasn't there maybe supposed uh, cut that was taken out where he initially, like, you know, died or whatever in one of these episodes, but they, I don't know, they must have forgotten or, yeah, there's, it's just a real mystery. He's one of... I think he's one of the only generals out of the many generals in this entire show where you don't even really know whatever happened to him at all. And at least with almost all of them, we do know what actually happened to them in that regard. Whereas when it came to Fangar, I think the way how it ended where he was trying to escape in that one episode and then the entire base explodes. So I think he basically died right there. Um, and then obviously we saw uh, Botanus uh, get eliminated by Emperor Guillotine there. And then we see some of these one-and-done generals uh, get killed off in the end. But Harlequin, he, he's just on a whole other level. Just, you know vanquished from this entire show mysteriously without even knowing what happened so like overall though like is this some is this a show you would recommend like you know is this something like what what would you say to someone outside of what you just said who has maybe never seen it but is just about it i would at least say it's a good portion of the show is pretty entertaining for some of the goofiness, campiness that it delivers. Um, but I would say outside of that part, there are some things that 
could at least disappoint you. Uh, like some of the episodes, even the final three that we've discussed, and then some of the other ones that we've discussed in the past. Um, but uh, for me, if I were to uh, recommend it to people, I would say at least uh, give it a go once, and then if you like it, uh, that's uh that's your thing and if you don't like it you don't have to uh have me talk about it ever again <laughs> and that sort of thing even if it comes <laughs> up to the first half of it um it, or maybe a few episodes and if they don't like it then they don't like it at all or if they really enjoy it then they can watch through it and then they can sort of decide for themselves Overall, if this was a good show or like something that is sort of their guilty pleasure uh, sort of um, TV show, then then yeah, um, for me, I would just at least say uh, give it a go just just this one time. So then you I wouldn't have to keep bugging you ever again about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm gonna say this. Um, you know, we've uh, we nitpick on this show, and part of that is because we feel like we have an obligation to people who have um, who are either just entering the tokusatsu and are trying to get sort of a general sense of where certain shows or movies lie or people who are tokusatsu fans but maybe have not experienced um, things like, um, you know, Johnny Sakuna's Flying Robot or insert particular movie title. Um, We feel like it is our duty to try to be objective as possible when covering all this stuff. Despite the fact that we are both fans of this genre, uh, we we have to, on some level, be critical of this stuff to try to be objective. And I know, I, I think on some level that may turn some people off, but the thing is, is that, look, uh, it can be level easy to have a rah, 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 type of, of podcast where everything you cover is great. But you know what happens with something like that after a while? You you are not only given a bunch of bullshit because people aren't with you about any shortcomings of insert whatever it is you're talking about here, but on top of that, it, it becomes dull. And then, and then at times and, I think it would be more or less uh, like um, sort of an echo chamber, but you can sort of say that for both both ends of the argument. But we try to at least be more in the middle as best as we could. Yeah, and, and I and and everything that we have ever covered. Uh, we've always given at least one or two criticisms, criticisms of, including things that we absolutely love. You go, what was it, maybe a year, year and a half ago when we covered Monsters? <laughs> one of my favorite Godzilla films of all time, and I think I had at least a couple of criticisms about that film. Have there been films at times in which we've absolutely despised? Of course. 
Shin Godzilla being the most obvious. But those types of movies come along really not that often. And the few films that we really are rah, 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 shish, boom, bah about, like, for me, the 98 Godzilla film or Invasion of Astro Monster or Mothra vs. Godzilla, those happen once in a great while, too. Everything else, by and large, kind of hits the center, more or less. And um, thing that I feel like we have an obligation to if we want to create something that is not only informative but insightful uh, to people because I truly do believe podcasts like this are not only something where you celebrate something but it's also something in which you learn uh, something as well especially for those people who are brand new into this sort of, of material or people who have maybe been in it for a bit but may not be as familiar with certain other types of things that they have experienced up to this point in, mm-hmm. in their fandom so um, with that being said uh, you know if you go if you rewind a number of years ago you will hear me talking about Johnny Sockwood is flying robots singing the praises of this show bugging yeah. the heck out of Jason to get his copy of the show and to watch it uh, and all that I still stand by all that. Despite the fact I have been pretty darn critical, including this particular show, uh, about some of the episodes, I still stand by the fact that this is a show that anyone who is a fan of tokusatsu should see because this, by and large, almost encapsulates everything that we love about this genre. It is about giant creatures slash giant robots fighting each other, weird humanoids, plots, and just all sorts of crazy shit, uh, you know, to put it all in a nutshell. And that's what this is. That's one of the main reasons, really the big reason why I love this show. Here's the thing. I would rather have a show or a movie that is nucking futz and makes almost no sense when you sit down to think about it than to have a show that try or a movie that tries to make logical sense of everything but ends up being not that entertaining at all case in point is when we covered the goal that was within the last year and a half to two years we covered that which film. one was that again i even the golden okay bag. yeah your audio just cut sort of cut out there for a second um, Despite the fact – and I remember saying this then when we covered it. This thing is just completely out of this world nuts. Mm-hmm. I am entertained by it. But if you sit down and you try to think about all the stuff, like how logical is this or where is the plot going here, etc., none of it makes any damn sense. It would take a, a huge mess of us, negative 35 stars in a rating when you sit down and try to take it apart. For me, when it comes to entertainment, the first thing I look for is how entertained am I by the end of the the show or the movie, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. If I'm entertained, that will trump an awful lot of stuff. Sure, I will go on and criticize certain things. I will criticize maybe character development. I will criticize motivation. I will criticize plot, etc. Johnny Sacco and his flying robot falls in that 
my category of it's a total mess of a series in terms of its writing because there are a lot of inconsistencies. There are things that make absolutely no fucking sense when you sit down to think about it. But is it entertaining? My God, it is. It is completely entertaining. In this day and age, in not just reality, but even more specifically in the times of COVID and the fact that we're seeing hundreds of thousands of, of our own people in this country dead, and the fact that people are losing their jobs, and the fact that reality is just so depressing, I don't want to go into a movie or a show that is almost similar to what I'm experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis when I wake up every morning. I want my entertainment to take me to a place that makes me forget about that for X amount of minutes or hours. Johnny Sacco and his fine robot being the completely nutso that is helps it but by God, I am entertained by it after X amount of episodes that I watch. I still <clears throat> highly recommend this series. If you're someone coming in saying I'm a Godzilla or a Gamera fan or both or whatever, and you're maybe looking for some TV shows to watch to kind of help fill that void a little bit, Johnny Sacco and his Flying Robot definitely is a show that will easily fill in that void. Don't when you watch it because if you do it will make go insane but if you just sit down and take it for what it is you will walk away from it being entertained and so my final uh, thing is this watch it because you will be entertained and i do do believe a vast majority of you will enjoy it well for me um the one thing i should probably add in into my argument when it comes to what I recommend this to anyone um, is for those that are coming into like this whole uh, Japanese culture as far as like TV and movies and as far as like if they're going to come into the tokusatsu and the Godzilla and or kaiju genres for the very first time would I would this be the first show to recommend them for? I would, for me, I would say n no, not yet. I would try to recommend them some of the best ones uh, out there that are available, and maybe I would maybe stick with them with the the old school or the show uh, uh, Ultraman TV shows first, or. Um, uh, some of the other tokusatsu TV shows uh, first and then sort of gradually showing them some of these other TV shows and I would say these uh, this one would probably be several lines down the road if they become like one of those uh, like a diehard uh, tokusatsu or kaiju fan in that regard as years go by and like if this was something that they haven't really heard of, it was like, hey, you should uh, see this. If to me, um, if if you try to show them this and with all the inconsistencies, I mean, some of the shows like back in the day with Kaiju and Tokusatsu will have some inconsistencies, but at least with those, they have some really good. 
story and battles compared to at least this one where it has some inconsistencies as far as what I was trying to do in some aspects of the show and uh, some things just aren't really just don't go anywhere and there are some areas that are really good but then sort of goes back down it's sort of like the roller coaster sort of thing and to me it's just to try to get someone into something that you really like it with that sort of thing it wouldn't really put much of a good impression on something that you want your friend or family member or what or a stranger that you're trying to convince into getting into these uh, genres you would want to at least you want to show them the best ones first before they actually think oh yeah this uh, genre I think I can really get into or it's like oh this stuff is fucking shit or whatever um but yeah, <laughs> um, it, it, yeah. To me, it's sort of something down Here's the line. Here's where I have a problem with. Here's where I have a problem with. By and large, you said sure it's entertaining, but it's shitty. Uh, that's kind of what I kind of got from you in terms of when you would talk to someone about this. What I would do, I've I've learned through not just experience, but just kind of thinking things more as I've gotten older where it's not really my place to say whether or not someone should see this first or wait after a certain period of time or whatever up to me and they ask me should i watch johnny stock when it's flying robot i would do two things uh one of the things i would do is ask him okay what has been your history with the genre thus far and also what other experiences have you had within the the science um, kind of the, the the science fiction genre? What what movies and shows have you watched uh, in the past? So I can get, get sort of an idea of what their experiences have been. The second thing I would ask them, um, or the second thing I would do is I would just kind of give a very breezy synopsis of what the series is what they should ex- what they will expect out of this series i'm going to tell them look you're going to be going into a, a series where there's a giant robot fighting uh, giant monsters and the occasional giant uh, machine. There are people who – there are villains who are uh, weird humanoid-looking things that are human and an alien or a, another monster or whatever. Some people have buck teeth, wearing prison uniforms and a red cape. Uh, there are giant out legs and, and basically say, look, this is kind of what you're going to experience in general. And then ultimately let them decide for themselves uh, as far as where this goes. So, um, so that's what I would do with them is just basically say um, – uh, basically say that, that – um, what's been your history with the tokusatsu genre 
and a sub-question of that is, what has been your history with science fiction movies and, and shows in general, like here in the United States? It, you know, just give me a quick uh, taste of what you've seen before. And then after that, say, say, okay, since you told me that, this is what you're going to encounter with Johnny Sacco. And then if all after all that, if they were to still ask me, okay, yeah, but do you th- think, like if they kept like, do you think I should still watch the series? Then based off of what they told me in terms of their history up to that point and their history with science fiction movies and shows in general, after that, then I would decide or, or, or tell them whether or not they should go to that point. Ultimately, I would say this. Eventually, yes, you should watch Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. But if they were to tell me me okay my my experience with the tokusatsu genre is limited i've watched this and that and if they also told me that their experience with science fiction genre in general even with the west and again depending upon what they've seen if they haven't seen enough wacky stuff here from the united states i would say okay you may want to opt just a little bit. You may want to watch maybe more of the Godzilla and Gamera films uh, potentially before you dive into this and or to watch uh, maybe something like Ultra Q and or the original Ultraman before and, you and dive into And that was basically like sort of the point where I was getting at because for those that are trying to come into these sort of genres for the very first time, they may not know some of these wacky things that go on in some in, within these uh, two genres. Because, like, to me, sometimes it can also depend on the person of what they like. They may like uh, some of these things or maybe not, but sometimes you sort of got to be in the middle it's like okay so what do you what do you like do you like the campiness or uh some more of the serious stuff and that's sort of one thing's like maybe just sort of hold off on uh johnny sacco maybe some of the other series uh non or i would say the non-familiar series until they sort of get themselves from familiar with the more well-known uh properties within the genre whether it's godzilla gamera or uh ultraman maybe common writer um in that regard so that's that's one of the things that i was sort of trying to get at with the uh, the previous argument i was trying to make Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just this worded it that 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 really I I took a little bit of issue with, but yeah. Ultimately, look, yes, I, I think if you come into the tokusatsu genre and it ends up being something that you like, if you don't come in and watch it with, you're not. This isn't going to be the first thing, obviously, you watch uh, because that's just how it is. You know, people are going to gravitate towards probably Godzilla first. For mm-hmm. obvious reasons, um, but ultimately, yes, this is a series you should watch. It, it is nuck and futs, but it is very entertaining. It sort of fulfills that that giant monster slash tokusatsu goodness that that all of us like you know and i mean look you know when we've covered the godzilla series uh you know um 
I said periodically, look, n- not ev- really a-, a bunch of this stuff within the Godzilla franchise makes no sense. Some makes even less sense than others, and that's just sort of how it is. But um, I think with that, we're ready to end this particular podcast. By the way, quick housekeeping thing. When do we want to do our final year-end episode? Um, let me quickly bring up my calendar here, because I know... At- at one point, we sort of discussed uh, the 26th, mm-hmm. and just from what I'm looking at my mm-hmm. calendar right now, um, that seems to at least be one of the more logical ones, but I could at least also say the 27th, unless if you have anything going on on that day, but... Um, but as far as that week of Christmas, I know Friday we will have Christmas Day, but obviously uh, you probably won't wouldn't want to do that anyways. Um, and as far as Christmas Eve, I know we don't typically get that off. There have been some years at my work that we do get that, and then there are at times where we didn't. So we, um, so I haven't actually heard anything official if we're going to get that Christmas Eve day off or not uh, up until maybe till that very week so um, for me uh, 26th or the 27th would work best for me at this point in time yeah I'm going to have company over um, regardless of whether it's the 26th or 27th, um, definitely not doing a Christmas Day or even Christmas Eve. Um, and then, obviously, I have. And then, obviously, there's. That, um, I would. Well, I think I should. I think we do get New Year's Day off, which New Year's Day is a Friday. Yeah. You said New. New Year's Day would work, or New uh, Year's Eve? I would at least say New Year's Day, but maybe New Year's Eve too. We we would obviously would have to do it later in the night. <laughs> oh, but yeah, boy. I would at least um, maybe say the best one would be New Year's Day, but it would be obviously in a New Year. It's not a year end. Yeah, end episode. So so twenty sixth or twenty seventh would. Obviously, be best for both of us. Yeah, I'm just thinking because I'm having company over for less, and my company, I'm. I don't think they're saying they're going to leave either Monday or Tuesday, and it's very likely they're not going to know until um, you know they're here and they kind of get an idea of what they want to do. Part of it, I'm sure, is going to be dependent on the weather as well. Um, that is tough. I, I have a couple of things that I want to write up. One is going to require some deep research followed by some writing. Um, and, and I, I, I've got half of my notes done. It's just that the other half is going to take a bit of time. And one thing in particular is going to take even more time than the other. Um, boy, that, um, that's kind of tough. I would say let's do it the 27th. Um, that, just in case that in, I'm gonna try to get everything done before, uh, even before Christmas Eve, 
comes along. But in case I need some extra time just to write things up, I have that extra day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's push for the 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Grand Poobah uh, Daikaiju Network podcast of this very shitty year of our Lord 2020. Well, and uh, hopefully go out with. Uh, well, bang. it was basically. Well, with us having our 10 year anniversary this year, it, it sort of ended up being a shitty. <laughs> Ten year anniversary for us. It could. It could. There's been a silver lining in some of this stuff. I would say the the only the biggest headline that we had so far for our anniversary was by far the Daikaiju Fest that we had this uh, past July in place of uh, G Fest there, but uh, obviously. from from our streams that we've done this past year, you've obviously seen the 10 year anniversary logo and and all that uh, coming this next episode. Things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to try to get all the anniversary graphics and stuff kind of reverted back to the regular stuff after when we get done here, and then as well as try to get stuff set up on my PC here with uh, so with using the new program streaming program and all that uh, tri- I'm going to talk with Kent here after the episode kind of get uh, some more discussions and some more tests and before we do that I was we were thinking about doing that uh, the new streaming program today but I wasn't quite unsure since we haven't really done much tests except for once but uh, um, so yeah uh, with that, I uh, just wanted to point out again, as far as our uh, streaming networks uh, here, our audio uh, podcast networks, you can find us over at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And our streaming networks, uh, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook Live, Periscope, and DLive. And you can like and subscribe to us on these following social media networks. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And we've got our own website, which uh, the homepage will soon uh, be overhauled with a brand new one that will be a little bit more interactive. You can find us at our own website over at daikaijunetwork.com. So, yeah, uh, be be on the lookout or look uh, look forward to uh, the uh, year-end kaiju extravaganza here uh, on December 27th at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, if you don't have anything else, uh, we can uh, end this uh, amazing uh episode that we did concluding Johnny Sacco and his flying robot Uh, hopefully everybody stays safe you have a happy healthy Christmas Hanukkah etc whatever it is you may celebrate Um, also this is something Something that Jason and I will, will we will discuss a bit further, but um, going into the new year, we intend on doing commentaries for a bit. We're not exactly sure how long, and then after that, we intend on potentially starting up Toku Zone again by covering another um, show. Um, 
so uh, we will flesh more of that out when we get ready to podcast here in the next couple of weeks, and then even more so as we enter uh, 2021. Yeah, we'll also. So with that, thank you so much for listening and or watching, and we will see you here in a few weeks. Take care, everyone. We'll see you in a couple weeks.